Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you very much for joining me once again. And to any new listeners out there, thank you and welcome to uh, our discussion today because it promises to be a very interesting conversation because today we go into the world of diplomacy and defence to discuss with a very senior uh, person in both of those worlds, just what communications means in that space and how indeed he is looking at creating value for his country here in Australia. But we'll come to him in just a moment. But again, um, often we talk about just exactly what it is, content communication, but it's a strategic, measurable and accountable business process that relies on the creation curation and distribution of useful, relevant and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen and or stakeholder action. So it's this notion that we can all now be publishers. We can all tell our story. So how do we go about doing that in order to achieve or make progress towards our business objectives. Well, today I am joined by Paul Madison, who is the Canadian High Commissioner to Australia. But he wasn't always the uh, Canadian High Commissioner to Australia. Paul had a distinguished career in the Canadian Navy, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But since about 2015, Paul has come to Australia to be the Canadian High Commissioner, and he is also currently a fellow of the Royal Canadian Geographical Society. So we will talk to him about all of those things, and he joins me in the studio. So, Paul, um, thanks very much for joining me in Transition. That's great to be here, and thank you for the invitation. Um, okay, let's go back to the to your career in the Navy. Was it something you always wanted to do from, from a young age? Was it something that was... As you grew up, you thought, I'd like to, to be in the Navy and be an officer in the Navy? Not particularly, um, but I had some great role models, one being my father who uh, served in the Royal Canadian Air Force and the other being my older brother who um, uh, went to military college and, and wanted to be a pilot, but uh, because of his eyesight, ended up in the Navy. And so he was old enough, um, older enough that he, he would come home and tell stories about uh, visiting Mexico and, and Pearl Harbor and, and Japan and, and uh, enough that I, I actually became very, very interested. And so <laughs> I um, applied for military college, so similar to going to Duntroon when I was 17, and uh, and that was that. It's interesting, though, you, you mentioned that, that notion of telling stories um, that got you moving yeah. because I, I tell a similar story about going to boarding school. My older brother went to boarding school and he went to exotic places like uh, Goulburn and Canberra and we, <laughs> and we were from Sydney. Yeah. But I remember thinking his stories, they're better than my stories. I can't sit in a room and talk about those things. Yeah. So I wanted to do those things. So yeah. have, has story always been an important part of the way that you've gone about um, influencing people? It, it is, and and, it, and it's become more so as I've sort of matured through my career because I now find myself um, very much in a, in a as a leader, often be in a mentoring role, um, where um, I'm I'm sitting with uh, members of my team who are, are younger, um, perhaps a bit more energetic. But um, as I try <laughs> as I try to explain 
um, where I'm trying to go and what are the priorities. And, and as I'm trying to explain where the government of Canada might be in, in setting objectives and how we operationalize them at a mission here in, in Canberra or when I was um, at, at defense, um, I often use stories. I, I, I often will say, well, let me tell you what happened um, uh, in 1992 when I was in a certain role in a certain situation and was faced with a certain challenge. This is how we worked our way through it. And, and that's why um, the lesson from that can be applied to what we're trying to do here today. Yeah. So uh, lots of stories. Perhaps I tell too many stories, but um, I, I've, I find it's, um, for me anyway, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a, a, a good way to bring relevance uh, to, to conversations around uh, how we plan and execute and get things done. Well, certainly. And I think it's the way that we create meaning. And it's the way that as humans, we connect with each other so as that we can understand. Because I think without that story, if it's just a, you know, a series of facts or figures or whatever it is, right. I don't know if we're capable then of sort of taking right. or doing anything with that. I, I often find that uh, um, with senior officials, you know, public servants, um, at the um, the equivalent of uh, you know deputy secretary or first assistant secretary level, and I'm not referring to Australians. I'm, I'm just in my experience, I've often been in rooms where I, I felt I was just listening to bureaucratic jargon. Yeah, I, I, I really wasn't getting um, a sense of, of of passion, of energy, of 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 of, of uh, assessing and approaching risk and figuring out how to get around it and, and harnessing all of our sort of human capital and talent in, in the room to drive forward, you know, um, it, it was just sort of jingoism and, and, and it doesn't achieve a heck of a lot. How do you tell a good story? What makes a good story for you? Um, I, I guess it's relevance. Um, uh, it, for, for me, they just sort of pop up yep. and, and, and there's a voice that says, here's, here's a good way um, to, 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 here's a tool to help you explain w w what you're trying to communicate here. Mm. It's not just, you know, standing around with a beer in your hand telling stories yeah. and, and jokes or whatever. It's, yeah. it, they, it, there's relevance to it. Yeah, and I know what you mean because I've got a, a, a meeting this afternoon with a, a federal government minister and I've got about 10 minutes and I know I've got to tell a good story. Yeah. Because that's what he wants to hear and yeah. I think that's the way to do it. And I've been, you know, this morning just rolling it around in my head. How do I get into the story? Right. How do I get to that point yeah. that is hopefully going to create the meaning? Yeah. And then how do we then sort of move out of the story into, okay, well, what are the actions that we can take out of this that will allow us to, to move good. forward? Very good. Yeah. Yeah, well, when, when you're into a serious meeting or, or a serious sort of decision point or, or when you are um, communicating in front of a, of, of a group um, that that needs to hear your message, and and you need them to try to understand your your message. You you, you need to go in prepared. Mm. And and a, a good friend of mine used to say, uh, um, doesn't matter how brilliant you are and, and how much passion you have when you speak publicly or whatever. You 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 need to really think about it in advance and come in with with your three key points mm. and state your three key points, and then. Um, Describe each one of them, and then sum up with your key three points, I mean, and, and and try not to go off on on too many uh, you yeah. know great uh, uh, gr great stories. Yeah, well, to me that sounds like a really nice little back back pocket little guide that you could yeah. take, isn't it? You yeah. know, do that yeah. three points, yeah. sum up with your three points, yeah. and then move on. You yeah. know, and then close your mouth and listen yep. and see, see what you can do with that. Yeah. What did you learn in the navy 
about communication? Because again, probably a, a different circumstance to the private sector or even, you know, more, more broadly in, in the public sector. Yeah. You know, it's command and control, you know, because of the, the work that um, military is involved in. There has yeah. to be lines of communication. There has to be chains of command. Yeah. Um, so how does stories work in, in, in that particular environment? Uh, uh, you know, I, <clears throat> I, I saw quite a change in culture over a, a period of about 35 years. So when I, when, when I joined Defence, um, it, it was a very binary equation. So you were, you, you were spoken... You did what you were told. You were spoken to. And, yeah. and there, wasn't, um, there, there, there wasn't a lot of solicitation of, of input. Um, if I can put it that way. Very Um, diplomatic. But, but, you know, uh, but everybody kind of understood what, what their role was and, 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 uh, everybody contributed to the best of their ability. Um, but, um, I've seen a a change of generation, um, and a a change of culture over time such that, um, uh, by the time I was uh, commanding the Navy, um, we were very much focused on recognizing in every individual, um, a, um, a unique and, and, and valued talent that each and every member of the team would bring to a ship's company or to a headquarters or to wherever it was that they served. And that we had recognized in the, in the new generations, younger generations coming up, uh, um, a real desire to be consulted, to be enabled and empowered to contribute um, on a respect-based level, regardless of rank, or, or experience, or pay grade, or whatever, um, um, in in any instance. So, it 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 changed from the commanding officer sort of saying, "This is how it's going to be done. This is what I want. Get on with it." To um, this is my intent. These are the these are the effects that we are hoping to achieve. Uh, I cannot do this on my own. Obviously, um, we we as a team, we will need to harness all of the talent we have individually and collectively to get there. I'm relying on you. What are your ideas? What, what, how are we going to do this? But the neat thing about being in the military is as, as you, go th- you go through that process, when the, when, when, the, uh, when the boss makes a decision, when the captain makes a decision, when the admiral makes a decision, everybody um, acknowledges that it has been a, um, in some respects, a bottom-up. Yep. Uh, consultative, yep. co- collaborative approach, depending on the circumstances. I mean, if you're in operations, uh, time becomes critical and, and sometimes you just make snap decisions and everybody just gets on with it. But at the end of the day, every, you know, people recognize how the decision was made, but when the decision is made, everybody gets behind it. Yep. Um, and, and because that's obviously what needs to happen in that kind of a institution. Yeah. How difficult was that as a cultural change or was it something that was obvious that needed to change and was there resistance to that? Um, There was resistance. I I, I characterize it as being sort of generational. So, um, and I'm sure there's analogies here with with Australian defence, but um, those who were commanding ships when I was a, a young officer had been trained by those who fought in World War II and in Korea, and it was just a different culture um, at the time. Um, as like I said before, it was it was pretty binary. Um, it was all male, uh, which is really important when we talk about um, uh, gender balance and gender equity. Um, and it was, um, in some cases, um, a brilliant leadership. In other cases, um, um, 
somewhat abusive um, in, in ways that simply would not be tolerated today. Um, and uh, the role of alcohol, uh, I think, was much more prominent than, than obviously it is now. And, and, and you throw all these sort of factors into play and it was just a different climate. And, and so as, as the generation, that generation moved on, mm. it was replaced by younger um, officers um, with, with, a, a, with a different, different formative experience, different family experience, different, different, different ways of relating to, yeah. to, to a rapidly evolving society. And over time I began to see that I joined a military that saw itself as separate from, from Canadian society as, um, and, and, and by the time I had, um, um, retired fr- from the Canadian armed forces, we very much uh, took pride in the fact that we were a reflection of Canadian society, that we, that we, the walls were down, that there was a much greater communication between um, Canadians at all levels, whether it was municipal, whether it was civil society, whether it was you know, provincial, federal. We, th- there was a much more um, kind of respect and trust-based uh, communication going on between Canadian society writ large and, and those who had volunteered uh, to serve um, and protect mm. Um, and fight for mm. um, the values and, and the freedoms that that are, are so important in our countries. Mm. Who was the most effective leader that you served under and what did he or she bring to that leadership that had an impact on you? Um, well, that's a really good question. Um, uh, I, I mentioned to you earlier that uh, it was my older brother that kind of got me interested. Well, as it turns out, um, at the end of the day, we're, we're the only two brothers in Canadian history who both commanded the Royal Canadian Navy. Mm. And uh, so um, as he moved up uh, through his career, I was always very much junior to him. Um, but as I watched his uh, tactical and then operational and then strategic success and, and, and saw the way that... Um, uh, he took a bold, um, sort of uh, energetic, uh, sometimes risky decisions, but well-reasoned, and, and the respect that he earned from his, uh, his subordinates and his colleagues. Um, I, you know, he was a, quite a role model. Um, his mentor um, was another admiral who commanded um, the Navy uh, back in the 90s, and... Um, and, and he was a great role model because he was extraordinarily gifted intellectually, a, a, a real um, outstanding ship handler, tactician, um, um, a workaholic, I guess, in a, in a positive sense, if I can put it that way. <laughs> so always available, always yeah. always across the files, and uh, with a with a real genuine focus on his people, and 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 you know. In, in, a, in an institution like the military, whether a leader really means it when he begins to talk about mm. caring for uh, the well-being um, of, of his uh, or her uh, subordinates and their families. Is it words or is it genuine? And, and he, um, th- this guy was genuine and, and he, he did some things in his career at sea that were just remarkable uh, and showed a lot of um, uh, personal courage, which is, again is another... Uh, Great example, and um, he at the strategic level, um, he had to deal with some really difficult political um, defense uh, 
uh, engagement challenges in Ottawa um, that um, put the institution um, um, in a very difficult place. And, and I'm speaking specifically to um, a very serious uh, developments in the uh, in Somalia in the early 90s that put the credibility of the Canadian Armed Forces at risk with the Canadian public and it wasn't helped by the government of the time. Um, and so um, how he responded to that and how he stuck to his principles when, uh, when um, uh, required to testify at Senate committees, etc., uh, it was just extraordinary. He, and he ended up uh, becoming a deputy minister or a secretary mm. in two departments after he had okay. uh, re- retired from, uh, from from uniform. And he was uh, he was very much involved in, in uh, what would be your RSL. Yep. Uh, and, and he was very engaged with um, the um, Sea Cadet movement. So all to say, uh, he was just an extraordinary, he continue, yeah. continues to be and, uh, just an inspirational example of... Um, of service to country. And, and the last thing I'd say about this guy, uh, now that you got me on to him, was um, he did all of this with great humility yeah. and, and there was never any ego. Mm. And, you know, I've come across many instances in my career where um, I'm, I'm working with brilliant people um, with a lot of experience and a lot of confidence, uh, a lot of talent. But when you see the ego, um, to me, that's a very, that's not helpful. And you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room or you don't have to show you're the smartest guy in the room. Uh, this particular admiral that I'm referring to was actually fairly nondescript. Yeah. Um, but when, the, when, the, uh, when uh, the proverbial hit the fan, everybody just turned to him and, and things got done. But with that courage and that character, is that, is that a learned thing or are you born with that? I, I think it's a learned thing personally. Um, experience, you know, you, 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 experience you, shaped. Yeah, I think you can be sixteen and 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 do courageous things. Um, um, but my my personal experience is that, um, in, in my career, uh, just when I got to a place where I was uh, comfortable with with the responsibilities that I had been assigned, um, and was kind of enjoying sort of uh, being across the, the files, so to speak. I was pulled out of that comfort zone and, and put into another one. And, 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 and every time that happened, I, I would always um, look at what I was being asked to do and a voice inside would go, uh, I don't think I can do that. Hmm. I, I'm not sure I have the ability to be able to stand in front of 200 people or, or 20 people and, and, um, and, and try to drive and, and motivate them uh, in a team setting to achieve some very difficult ob- objectives, and uh, or I, I wasn't sure I would be able to do um, what I was observing folks senior to me doing. But you know, when I was a young officer, I could I never really saw myself as a commanding officer of a warship. I I I I I, I aspired to do that, mm. and I knew that it, it could be in my career path, but I, I honestly wasn't confident that I had the um, the potential within me to do that, mm. and yet, um, it, it just one one uh, one experience um, created confidence, which created another experience, which created more confidence. And 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 as this was happening, I, I learned early that it really wasn't about me; it, it was all about the people mm. a, a, around me with whom I was working at at all levels. And 
suddenly you find yourself um, in, in command of a warship at sea. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's just an incredible feeling. It, it's so exhilarating. And, and, and I never saw myself um, achieving flag rank. Um, but that happened as well. And, and so uh, it, it, it's like a spiral of experience which, which generates confidence and competence. Um, and as you go through very difficult challenges and, and, and get through them, you develop an inner voice that says, you've done this before. You, you, you know how to deal with adversity. Um, and whatever comes, you, you will manage mm. uh, again as long as you um, have the right people around you who are leaning in with you. And that's kind of been my experience. But if you, how do you help people, though, as the leader when you, when you do that to someone, when it's your choice to say, I'm going to identify that person and I'm going to give them a very big task – and their head talk might be exactly as you say, oh, I can't do this or this is beyond me, I'm you know, not capable. What do you do or what can you do as a leader to help them to get to that point of, well, actually you can do it and you will do it well? Uh, by going to go full circle here by telling your story. Right. And so, so saying, look, I'm, you know, I, I, I was you. Yeah. And in fact, I would like to be you again because, 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 because I, I, I really, um, uh, um, I'm excited about the challenge that, that, that you're facing here yeah. and it's, and it's the right challenge because it's at the heart of our profession. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so, you know, I, I, I was having, I was on the other side of this table once, uh, or twice or three times and, um, and this is going to work yep. and, and. And here's how it's going to work for you. Right. And uh, you have my confidence. And belief's a great thing, isn't it? If you can yep. instill that in someone, that someone believes in you that you can do it, that yep. sort of really goes a long way to quietening the insecurity that perhaps may be there. It's very powerful when, when somebody, um, if you're a, um, you know, a, a commander and, and an admiral says to you, um, mm. I, I believe you have the right stuff. You're, very, you're, you're talented. Um, you've got all of the, all of the qualifications I have every confidence in you. Mm. I know you're going to do this well. Mm. Fly and be free. Yeah. And and by the way, um, take some risk. Yep. Um, it's okay to make a few mistakes. Yeah. Um, as long as they're genuine mistakes. Yep. Um, and you don't make them more than once or twice. <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm I'll cover your back. Oh, yeah. And and so you know that that works. So wonderful experience, obviously a deep experience, and you know, you know to command. Um, Canadian Navy, the warships, you know, so much experience. But today your job is a very different job. Yeah. Your, day, your job today is to represent the wonderful country of Canada in this yeah. part of the world. Yeah. Um, what are the similarities and what are the differences? I think the similarities are um, um, that you, 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 you interpret the strategic intent of the government of the day. Yep. Um, and you... Um, uh, sort of break that down into um, pr priorities and, and uh, you sort of operationalize that and um, communicate that uh, to the team and, and, uh, and make sure that um, uh, the, the team understands what it is we're trying to achieve together here in service to Canada in Australia, yep. um, that every member of the team recognizes uh, or knows that they are valued uh, for, for what they're bringing uh, to the team effort. Um, and that uh, and that they are recognized um, uh, when when they do good good work um, in, in in service to us trying to achieve those objectives. Um, so th 
and, and, you know, and the need to communicate, you know, to, as the, as the head of mission, I don't see myself as the ship's captain, but uh, it's, it's easy to see that analogy here. Yeah. Um, so to communicate, to be the face of the mission, um, um, to listen and, and to, to help build that team dynamic. So that's, I, I think that's a common, al- a common piece. I, I think the, the, the difference for me was, um, um, making a transition from having led, um, uh, a, a very large institution, um, to one in which which is rel- which is relatively small. I mean, the the High Commission in in Canberra here is um, about um, uh, about eighteen Canadians and another uh, uh, twenty five uh, locally engaged Welcome. Australians. So yeah. we're, we're we're about forty five folks. Mm-hmm. And so I remember <laughs> I, I remember I, I remember getting here and and uh, <laughs> and um, beginning to sort of. Uh, articulate um, what I wanted to do, and uh, and my deputy. So I have a deputy head of mission here. He, he said to me uh, on one occasion early in my tenure here. He said, "Okay, I understand what you want to do. Now, um, either you're either I'm going to do it, or one other uh, political officer in this uh, section is going to do it, or you're going to do it. Um, that's the only way it's going to get done. You 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 no longer have." A headquarters or 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 operational commands where where you can just go uh, here's the vision you know make it happen yeah. so um, and I got that yeah so, so I'm uh, was that a hard realization or did you realize it pretty quick that it was going to be a different no it wasn't it, it, it wasn't hard I just had to I had to adjust my expectations it's not um, I I had obviously um, instead of g- thousands g- gotten, you had... gotten used to being enabled. Yes. With a lot of human yeah. and financial resources yeah. um, to, to get things done yeah. uh, relative to uh, what I'm allocated here in Australia. That's fine. Yeah. So um, we're, we're very innovative. And, and, <laughs> I, and, I, and I, I, I like to say that we can, we can turn a uh, $10,000 um, activity line into a, yeah. into a $100,000 event. Yeah, for sure. Um, or uh, to create a million-dollar effect. Yep. And, and that's kind of the language I use with, with the team. And... and uh, so we look for all sorts of innovative ways yeah. to, to, to to operationalize the Canadian brand a lot across a number of sectors here in Australia. Mm. So what are you trying to do? And how will you be judged whether you have succeeded or not succeeded in your time as um, High Commissioner? I'm not sure how I will be judged and I, I'm really not terribly uh, concerned about that. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but w- what we're trying to achieve is to... Is to um, um, Strengthen um, relationships uh, across a number of fronts: um, uh, political, um, economic, um, uh, cultural, social. So, the, the, and that breaks down into a whole number of uh, things. I, I guess the, the one of the things that I'm tr- we're trying to do here is to is to break this um, this sort of tradition of. Viewing the Canada-Australia bilateral relationship as a, a sort of a first cousins who take one another for granted, and mm. and and we call each other when we need to, and we get together for a beer when it's a good time, and get together for a barbie. But <laughs> but you know, th- there's not a great need to put a lot of structure around that because um, there's so much else going on. And 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 I um, um, I I really believe, and, and um, I, I think. Um, Interlocutors, both in Canberra and Ottawa, agree that um, uh, 
it's never been more more important um, globally than yeah. f- than for uh, medium powers like Australia and Canada um, to stand together uh, to, to um, in unison uh, shape the global narrative in a constructive way uh, around a rules based uh, international order around um, the Washington Consensus around um, Bretton Woods around the system of the world as it has evolved over the you know, over the past um, uh, seventy two years. In fact, yesterday was the uh, United Nations Day. So 72 years since um, the charter was signed, and, and um, be, be, because there's a, there's there's a lot going on in the world right now, which um, is challenging that rules-based international order, and, and I, I I think more than ever, um, w- countries like Australia and Canada need to be looking at ways to um, ensure that the um, uh, the communication pipes are wide open between uh, our capitals, but also between. Uh, um, you know, uh, academia between, uh, um, um, uh, you know, corporate Australia, corporate Canada, um, yeah. uh, and, 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 and all of that. Yeah. yeah. But it, but it is, it's formalising that structure, isn't it, that yeah. makes things happen. You can't just rely yeah. on happenstance. You actually yeah. have to put in place, yes. yeah. you know, the enabling structure yes. for it to take place because yes. without that... It's probably, as you say, it's going to happen. Yeah. What's happened in the past? So, so, so there are a number of really uh, positive um, uh, bits of structure out there, and mm-hmm. and I just want to make sure that they continue to be uh, um, strong, g- g- get stronger, and and that we look for opportunities to to do even more. And I'll give you an example. Um, uh, we've put a lot of focus on uh, indigenous policy issues, yep. um, um, especially given uh, the priority that uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Uh, has put on it um, since coming to power, and so um, wh- wh- one of the uh, outcomes of that is, has been to uh, establish an Australia-Canada Indigenous Health Initiative, right. which has come out of um, a number of Indigenous um, policy workshops that we've run over the past several years uh, in partnership with various uh, Australian entities, such as um, uh, Charles Darwin University up in Darwin, um, and more recently. The Lewitcha Institute, out of oh, Mel- yeah. Melbourne, run, yep. run by uh, Romley Mulcock, yep. who's a good friend, and uh, and and also partnered with uh, Australian National University, and we, we brought we brought policy experts from uh, Aboriginal Australia and from First Nations Canada together here in Canberra last year uh, to identify and and uh, and analyze or assess impediments to um, moving forward. Uh, in a in in indigenous developed led community based uh, health solutions in our, for our communities, we have a lot of co- in common, and so yep. um, that conversation led to this initiative. And so, and and there's um, conversations at the ministerial level happening uh, around these sorts of things. Um, uh, you know, the the good thing about Australia Canada relations, I would say, is that we since we are so often together in various multilateral fora, whether it's uh, the United Nations General Assembly last month or whether it's uh, G20 or whether it's APAC or whether it's uh, CHOGAM, uh, the Commonwealth Heads of Government meetings, um, uh, or, or whether it's um, TPP11 kind of discussions. Around all these sorts of multilateral um, uh, meetings, there will always be bilateral set up between the yep. principles. So, so, so Foreign Minister Bishop will meet with Foreign Minister Freeland wherever they're both together or or Trade Minister Shobo will meet with uh, Trade Minister Champagne mm. 
or, or, or. Yeah. And, and so there's, those relationships are, um, uh, you know, we, we work hard to uh, set the conditions so that, so that the, these engagements are, are, are more than just, uh, hey, mate, how you, how you going? Yeah. It, it's, uh, okay. Substantive conversation. Substantive. Yeah. So communication from a, you know, we've spoken about, you know, the, 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 the process and, and, and the practice of communication at that broader macro level. But when we take it down to telling your story and using media um, mm. to tell that story, how do you go about using the media and using, you know, this, you know, the great gift of technology, which now means that every organisation can now be a publisher. So how are you using um, that gift of technology in order to achieve some of those objectives that you've defined for the High Commission here in Canberra? So great, great question. Um, the, the first thing I would say to you is that um, um, the change of government in Ottawa in, in, uh, in November of 2015 really did change the dynamic around uh, public servants uh, public service engagement with with the media yeah there was quite a rule set around that established by the previous government for uh, for, for what they viewed as very good reasons and uh, what meaning that it was led and dominated by the political th- there was class? Th- there were there was a rule set around um, okay. um, you know when and and how and under what conditions uh, to, to to engage with the media okay whether it was radio, whether it was print, whether it was TV, whether it was social media, and and uh, so I mean it, it it was what it was, but but um, it it was uh, um, more constrained than it is today. So that's why I mentioned the change of government because um, Mr. Trudeau and his team, you know, brought brought in a much more um, um, o- open uh, approach mm. to, to enabling. Um, Officials at all levels yeah. uh, to to engage uh, when when and and how appropriate and 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 there's a certain level certain level of implicit trust in 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 that and and we all get that so it's not as if uh, um, you know f- folks are encouraged to go out and express personal opinions all sure. the time so we you know the the speaking points are there and it's just, it's just like any government and, and but 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 we're we're um, uh, you know we're we're fairly proactive. And so um, I, I made it very clear to my media team here. I was a small media team and um, made it very clear that I'm available. Um, and I've done several uh, radio. Um, I've done more radio in, in Australia than I, I ever did in Canada. Mm. Um, uh, and that's that's been constructive and I've you know received pretty good feedback from that. I, I'll, I'll do print interviews when... Um, when available, uh, or and so we, we 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 let the journals know that we're if you want to talk about Canada, um, you know I'm available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 part of that part of that message is also that we, we humbly think that there, we actually have something interesting to say to Australians. Sure. So come and talk to us. Yeah. So um, and what about the, the that's the media side of yeah. it? What about the creation of content? How how sophisticated are you in terms of producing the? The video, the audio, the stills, the text, the graphics that really pounds well, away at that story. I, I think we're doing better um, um, each, with each and every day. So we, we, um, we're active on Facebook. We're active on Twitter. Uh, we, we, do, uh, we do YouTube um, videos. So we've, we, we have a consulate uh, general in Sydney. Yep. And, and then we have uh, our high commission here in Canberra. And we've divided the uh, social media enterprise between us, mm-hmm. and so Sydney handles um, um, 
uh, Twitter and um, and and the YouTube the video uh, generation. So okay. so if you go to their website, or if you go to Canada www.canadadownunder.org or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, then then you will see a whole list of of, of videos, mm-hmm. and and they're you know for example. Um, um, uh, Mike Pike, who who yeah. who won the yeah, 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 who yeah. won the flag with the Swans yep. in 2012. Yep, he's a Canadian rockman. Yep, and so uh, you know, a couple of years ago, they did a video about a yeah. a, a Canadian who played rugby in Canada, yep. came over here, uh, transitioned to uh, to AFL, yep. and won the flag. Yeah, and uh, so we do that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, uh, on on. Um, on, on, so, so we, we, we push stuff on, on Facebook as well. And uh, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of a, of a Twitter success because I, I, um, I, I thought this was tremendous. So when we did this Indigenous um, uh-huh. Health and, and Wellbeing Roundtable last December, yep. we partnered with a, a social, what I guess I'd call a social media accelerator, um, a, a local, uh, an Australian company. And basically what they do is they... Um, since they're so good at uh, understanding the Twitter sphere, uh, they they generate a bit of a buzz uh, around an event, and then they promote it during the event, and then you know um, report on what they've how it's gone. And so, um, uh, we, we took an uh, we, we took an event that was two days long. We had about eighty people in a room together, talking about Indigenous health and well-being and exchanging experiences in in Canada and Australia. Um, on the second day, we were the number one trending um, um, nice. activity in Australia, number one on Twitter. And at the end of that two, two days, we had generated 20 million Twitter impressions uh, worldwide. Wow. 20 million. And uh, I reported that back to Ottawa because we have, we, have we have a social media um, um, uh, office um, for the government, for the, for well, no, the for, for for Global Affairs Canada, okay, yep. which is our foreign ministry. Yep. So their whole job: these yep. people get up every day in Ottawa, go to work, and their whole job is 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 pushing messaging yep. uh, around the global uh, foreign affairs platform, mm-hmm. and and uh, picking up on uh, uh, what we're doing, and 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 retweeting it or getting it on Facebook, and all that kind of stuff. You know, yep. uh, Hootsuite and all that kind of thing. <laughs> and they were amazed. Yeah, they were really amazed by that. So. Yeah. Um, so being innovative, being open to uh, to new ways of doing business, um, uh, I, 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 so trying to replicate that kind of thing is 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 what we aspire to do. Noting again that we we have a relatively small team here, yeah, and we're all very busy, you know, doing yeah. every day doing everything that we need to get done, yeah. Um, but I'm really proud of uh, you know what we do get done, and, and so I th- I think. You know, a long way of answering your question. I, 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 th- I think we're getting the messaging out there um, um, more persistently and, and to a wider audience hmm. um, around, you know, Canadian values, around Canadian commercial interests, around uh, Canadian activities. Um, and, and in a way that I, I hope um, Australians will f- find interesting and, and informative. Hmm. Yeah. You sort of have to, though, don't you? Really, you know, given that there is so much competition for people's time and attention, that if you do want to be heard, if you do want to be understood, you have to tell a good story, and you have to make sure that it's in the right format, 
in the right channel at the right time. So yeah. is it the audience that you're seeking to influence? Uh, you know, come to know and understand that story over time. But it's a it's a wonderful gift. I think the fact that, you know this democratization of the factors of media production and distribution. So yeah. that's certainly you know our our mission here is helping government to strengthen communities and improve the well being yeah. of citizens by exercising this this capability and it's great to see you know that's a wonderful story about the yeah but the content must have been good that's the thing like it it wouldn't have moved uh and it wouldn't have had that many impressions if it didn't resonate and that goes back to your very very earliest point about what makes good communication is relevance yes so it all comes you know we we draw ourselves all the way back to the beginning that you know if you're going to communicate make sure that it says something to the to the people um who you're trying to you know talk to Absolutely. Mm. And when it comes to um, uh, in bettering, uh, bettering quality of life in Indigenous communities and, yeah. and, and strengthening the, uh, the national narrative uh, mm. uh, between Indigenous Canadians um, and, 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 and Canadians writ large and the same thing over here um, and, and doing it in a, in a respect-based, a sincere nation-to-nation kind of conversation – um, that that's extraordinarily relevant, and we yes. always uh, get um, um, very positive um, and and widely shared um, uh, feedback on that. Hmm. Well, Paul, thank you very much for for coming in. Thanks thank for, you. for giving us up, uh, you know, a bit of your time today. And I know that uh, we have an audience, a global audience, so there are people all around the world who will have. Uh, listen to this conversation today and I'm sure that they will have learnt uh, a great deal because that's the purpose essentially of doing this podcast is to uh, engage with people who have experiences and that hopefully there's, you know, a few things that people will take out of our discussion today that they'll be then be able to go back to their job and think, okay, maybe I'll be able to take that bit of advice from Paul about uh, how I may be able to communicate more effectively. So um, thanks very much for coming in today. And to you, the audience, thanks very much for coming back once again. Uh, A great conversation there with the Canadian High Commissioner here in Australia. And it certainly encouraged me, I think, to maybe think a little bit more about Canada and indeed how can we, you know, in this increasingly networked, globalised world, you know, that we do have friends on the other side of the world here in Australia and we probably do need to think about them more often and, uh, and go and enjoy their wonderful country and, you know, looking at how can we join things up. We've got a couple of research projects going at the Australian National University and I'm going to actually go and see if we can find some more Canadian partners to get involved in those as well. So anyway, thanks very much for coming back once again. Uh, Really do appreciate it. Uh, We do have all of the social media. Uh, If you'd like to engage with it, be it on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, or join the website, sign up um, for the podcast because we will certainly have many, many more uh, conversations into the future. So thanks very much for joining us once again. And for now, it is goodbye, but I'll be back at the same time next week. So it is now. Bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.